Well, I'm glad to be here again, and I just want to uh, let y'all know how much I've enjoyed being with you. Uh, it's a long way to Manhattan, Kansas, but um, it, it doesn't take much to really grow to love people. And, you know, I was thinking back there as we were singing, Be Thou My Vision, uh, oh, the, the joy of heaven, and, uh, you know, I'll get to spend heaven all eternity with you guys, and that'll be that'll be fun. So whatever we don't, uh, however we don't get acquainted here, we'll have a while to uh, <laughs> to get acquainted. And uh, so I'm I'm really glad to be here. I, it's a joy to be with Melinda and Neil and Aaron. I've known them for a lot of years, and uh, you know just to hang with them, it's just really been great. So thanks for the invitation and. Um, I really hope I don't screw up this last talk. So, <laughs> but, uh, let, I want to start with um, a little passage in the Old Testament. It's found in Genesis 17. I don't even have a slide for this, but the the story is um, God had come to at the time he was called Abram, and Genesis. Uh, 17 verse 1 says, When Abram was 90 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will confirm my covenant between you, and you will greatly increase in numbers. You all know the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah. So God is just kind of reconfirming that to Abram. And then later he says, your name will be Abraham. You will be the father of nations. You know, the, your seed will be as all the stars in the universe, and on and on and on. So, several years later, I think about 10, 10 11, or 12 years, nothing's happened, although um, Abram and, and, and Sarai at the time did have one son, Ishmael as you recall. But Abraham's starting to get a little anxious because remember when I said God may seem slow, but he's never late. Well, God, well, Abram was really leaning in the slowness of God. So in, in chapter 17, verse 17, Abraham fell face down and he laughed and he said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abram said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Now, I want us to pause and uh, ponder for a second. If only... God answered Abraham and said, uh, no, you'll, you will have a son and, you, and you'll call him Isaac and he will be the father of many nations. Now, before I, I share a few thoughts on uh, vision and ministry, I, you know, I want us to just ponder if only, because you guys have been exposed to a lot of things this weekend. Uh, the workshops, the messages, your time together, and there's been some good spiritual groceries there for, for any of us. 
Now here's the problem. We live in a world where it's easy to say, you know, if only this would happen, then I could walk with God. If only my classes were easier, then I could be more involved in a small group. If only my parents were richer and could pay my way through college and I didn't have to hold down a job or two jobs and work like crazy over the summer, then I could experience more of what God has more for me. And, you know, I have seen college students, and I've been around a while, use if only, maybe not exactly those words, but that's what they're saying. You know, if only my life would have been different, then I could have really done something for the kingdom. And you're going to be faced with the same thing Abraham was. I guarantee you, as the sun comes up, you're going to be faced throughout your life. Some of you may eventually have little children. There are going to be an incredible disruption to your life. You're going to get in, in job situations that are going to be challenging and difficult. You're going to have extended family that aren't going to buy into to what your heart's desire is. And on and on. You're going to get in jobs you really don't prefer. You wish you were doing something else. And the tendency is to use, you know, if only this were different, then I could walk with God. And, you know, that's just going to be a part of your life. And so what I'm saying to you, God is at work, and uh, you need to look past the if-onlys to see Him and to see what He's about. Now, for me, um, I was in uh, Vietnam in 1971. I had no props behind me, no Christian uh, community, no email. I didn't have a church to go to. I worked every day for seven straight months, 12 hours a day. And uh, I didn't even have meal time on, on my time at on duty. I had to get my, all my meals on my time, the 12 hours I wasn't working. And I had no encouragement in the Christian life. And I was faced with something. And the thing I was faced with as a young, uh, at the time, 22-year-old, uh, was the reality of a, of a couple of verses I want to share. If you can throw these up on the screen, I think they'll, I think they'll work here, even with the um, and this was the, there you go, Matthew 28. And I was alone, and uh, I had heard these verses I mentioned earlier uh, in college. And one of the last things Jesus ever said to his disciples, he came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I'm in Vietnam by myself, and I'm grappling with this passage that I'd heard in college. And my struggle was this, is this really gonna be real to me? It was obviously real, real to the disciples back when Jesus told them that, commanded this to them on a hill outside of Jerusalem. 
but was, was it really going to be mine? And, you know, that was my struggle. I had no one supporting me in this. I had no Christian friends over in Vietnam, no churches. Back then, podcasts weren't, weren't a thing around. There was no cassette tapes. And so I just, I just had these verses from Jesus in my own heart. And I, I remember one night, I worked every night. I went on duty at 7 and got off at 7. And I walked out, um, I was a communications officer and I had all these sandbags around me in case we had incoming mortars. And I walked out and I was standing in this kind of courtyard and I, you know, I, I was, it was, it was a moment where I had to decide, God, is this going to be for me? And I remember making that decision, yes, it's true for me that to go and make disciples of all nations, this is true of my life, whether I, I teach, I wanted to, at the time, teach and coach. I got a degree in education. And, uh, or whatever I did, this was God's word to me. And I want to submit to you today, as we close out here, that I believe Jesus not only spoke it to, to his disciples 2,000 years ago, but he's speaking it to you. And it's just as real to you as Jesus meant it for those guys. And, uh, and so you have the privilege of buying into it. Now you can buy into it in theory, or you, you can buy into it with, yes, this is what I want to give my life to. Now you're going to do other things. You hopefully will be a good employer. You'll be a good neighbor. You'll be a good uh, family person. Hopefully you'll be a good friend like we talked last night. But down behind the scenes, there's going to be a backdrop curtain that you want to advance the kingdom as much as God will empower you to do it. And, and it really comes to this point of helping people become followers of Him. Uh, let me share a little graft here and take this slide off. And let's see if I can do this here. I am not an artist, but let's say this is, stay with me, I'll make it. Okay, this is eternity past, and it goes way back there to eternity past. I don't know how to measure it. This is eternity future. This goes way out there. It never ends. I don't know how you measure that, but it's way out there. Okay, this little th thing here is our life, your life and my life. And uh, the Bible says three score and ten, you know, you can kind of count on 70 years. Probably today it's 80. I'm 67, so if I live to be 80, I've got 13 years left. So I've got about one day left for every four I've lived. If I, you know, keep exercise, I may be able to stretch it out a little more if I keep, you know, drinking orange juice and eating apples and not, you know, and not eating, uh, you know, Big Macs or whatever. So, um, you know, this is your life. So this is kind of a blow-up of your life. Now, somewhere uh, back about 2,000 years ago, of course, Jesus died on a cross and rose. And at this point, you were born. You know, for you, it was maybe 20 years ago. For me, it was 67 years ago. 
And so you were born, you were born here, and at some point along the way, you became a believer. You invited Jesus Christ into your life. And for some of you, it's, it's happened very recently, maybe uh, this semester or six months ago. Some of you a few years ago. But, but it's, if, if you have claimed the name of Christ and believed in His death on the cross for you, and you've embraced that, then you, you're born again. Okay, now, now here's today. We're here on uh, October the 4th. O-C-T 4th. And these represent the rest of the days you have. And someday down the way, uh, you will die, and there will be a little flowers over your little grave, <laughs> and that'll be you. And, uh, and, of course, you know, you will also go to be with Jesus. So, you know, you're not there. That's not you, really. You're up there with him. Um, my good friend Bruce Briggs, uh, last December, um, he was 37, and he had cancer, and I talked to him the day he died. He was uh, down in Fort Worth in a hospital, and he said uh, we, he was on a lot of morphine, but he was coherent. And uh, I was leaning over and talking to him and holding his hand, and, and he said, uh, Bob, uh, remember my kids. And so I said, Bruce, I'll, I'll pray for your kids every day. And uh, there's Bruce, and picture of Bruce and his family. And so this morning I prayed for uh, little Maddox and little Hudson and his wife Terry. And uh, I don't really need the reminder anymore because I've been doing it for about eight months. But uh, Bruce didn't have as long a time. He didn't have as many days here as I've had but he milked it for all his worth. He, he and his wife moved into a high-rise in Dallas just to reach young professional couples. Uh, he discipled young professionals, and, you know, he died climbing. And even though he didn't have a lot of, a lot of days, James, James and John, two of the disciples, James was uh, martyred at an early age. John, the Apostle John, ended up writing Revelation, as you know, he lived a long time. So, so we, don't, we don't really know how many days we have. You know, that's true. You all have friends or relatives that have died younger, and you've had relatives that, you know, are 90, 100 years old. That, you know, that's really a part of God's purposes and plans. And, you know, maybe part of it we can control by good health and, you know, being wise, not driving, you know, 100 miles down the mountain and miles an hour down the mountain. But, you know, that these, but the key is how are we going to use these days? And so Jesus says to the disciples, let's say this is when he, when he gave the Great Commission, I want you to go and make disciples. And for each of you, you have days left that you can really advance the kingdom of God. And, and the clearest way that Jesus suggests we do that is to make disciple. Now, a disciple, it's not used as much today, but really what it means is a follower of God. If, you, if you're a little, if the word disciple kind of bothers you, just say, go, Jesus says, go and, and help 
people become true followers of me, to love me with all their heart, to, to love their neighbor as their self, to advance the gospel everywhere they go. And, and that's what Jesus is commanding. Uh, when I moved to Manhattan in uh, 1972, uh, Sandy and I moved there. We were 24 years old. And so my first, or well, my second day there, we moved in. My second day there, I went out and walked across the campus at K-State. And I, you talk about someone that was out over, over their head. Here I was. I just got back out of the Army. I, I had not been in anyone's Christian loop. I... I was behind in a lot of ways. I was struggling to readapt to America. And so all of a sudden, I find myself on this campus. And so I'm walking across campus. I think, God, I don't even know how to pray. But this thought came to mind. Pray that I will give you six people that will walk with God. And there were a few people around, but none of them were really serious. So I prayed as I walked across campus, God, would you give us three guys and three women that really want to grow. At the end of the year, there were six that were really serious. And uh, uh, one of them was John Sapp. And uh, he's one of my best friends today. Uh, he ended up being a missionary in Africa for 25 years. Um, another one was uh, Dave Edwards. He's a pastor down in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, another one was his wife, wife-to-be, Nancy Pickett, who Dave married. Another one was Pam Nelson, became Pam Haddon, Scott Haddon's uh, wife, and they, he runs a ministry called uh, Scope Ministry out of Oklahoma City. It's a Christian counseling ministry. Another one was Lena Nickel. Lena married Dave Terry. They became the... Uh, the head of the counter-terrorist department for the CIA. He was in the, he's in the, host, uh, the White House every day. And he ended up uh, uh, being the personal briefer for the president and the secretary of state. He just retired. And he said, you know, the reason he stayed in the CIA, CIA he, he just wanted to try to make that organization and the world a place more receptive to the gospel. And I thought, wow, what a great motive for anyone in any job, you know, whether you're teaching or you're an engineer, or you're in medicine, you just want to make that world more receptive to the gospel. See, that should be your kind of underlying current, current in, in these jobs that you take. Um, another guy didn't make it spiritually and uh, probably one of the greatest heartbreaks I've ever had where he had a, a moral collapse after walking with God and having a ministry for a few years. And I tell you that because, you know, it's easy to kind of anecdotal things to where you think, wow, man, whatever Bob Anderson touches turns to gold. That is not true with me, I'll tell you. And this guy hit rock bottom and to this day has never turned back to the Lord. And I tell you that, you know, sometimes we seek to do things for God that just don't work out. You know, the devil is real. In this side of heaven, he can trip us up. 
and it was true in this case. And I don't, I don't think I've ever cried harder than when I learned that this guy had turned away from the Lord. It was, uh, and I've cried over the years, my mom dying and my dad and friends dying. But the shock effect that, with this was uh, horrific to me. And, uh, and there, is, there are casualties along the way, but Jesus still said, go and make disciples of all nations. Um, I'm going to pull this back down here. I'm through with that. Oh, that. <laughs> you can tell that being alert to situation is really my strong suit here. <laughs> okay. Um, let me share with you a verse in uh, 1 Thessalonians 3.10. Paul says, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. There was a lot of things that brought excitement and joy to Paul. Uh, certainly he started a lot of churches and he taught a lot. He got to speak in some of the greatest venues in the known world. Uh, rubbed shoulders with the disciples of Jesus. But he said, really living for me is seeing you stand firm in the Lord. And I can tell you that I would say that is true. You know, apart from the, the birth of my, my three kids and, and five grandkids, I would say, and I've got a, a lot of great things over my life, but I would say this would be true. Really living for me is seeing people just like you continue to take those steps with Christ. 3 John 4, another kind of same uh, idea here. John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And, um, you know, in some ways it's easy, but in some ways it's really hard to help people grow. It's, it's really not that complicated, but it is costly. Uh, I would say the most important part of it is prayer. A lot of people try to get by on uh, uh, just knowledge. You know, if I give this person some information from the Bible, then they should go forward. I don't think so. Someone said that prayer isn't preparation for the ministry. It really is the ministry. And uh, I would say that is probably true in this. And, uh, you know, one of the last things that Jesus did in John 17 is pray for those disciples. And if you read the whole chapter of John 17, you hear Jesus pouring out his heart. Why did he did, did that? They had had the best that he had to offer for three years. And uh, those guys, you would think, were good to go. You know, if you walked around with Jesus for three years, heard, all, heard his teaching and, and the miracles and everything he did, wouldn't you be good to go? Well, Jesus, God himself, felt the need to pray for those disciples. One of the very last things he did, John 17, you can read it. Um, and I would say, too, go for the long haul. 
Um, we talked about that a little bit last night with friendship, but um, be in it for the long haul. Uh, now, God may move people in and out of your life due to, due to different uh, stations in life, but it's more than like a, a two-week deal. You pray, you encourage, you have a blast, you laugh, you cry, you open the Word, you... Uh, you mentor, and then you get mentored. And it's a long-haul thing. It's a lifetime. And um, John Sapp, the first guy that I ever started spending time with um, at K-State, I talk to him almost every week now. And uh, we share prayer requests. We'll text prayer requests. Um, we spend time together. He lives in Topeka. I live in Manhattan. And um, he's now... The last four or five years, he was my boss. So I went to uh, helping him to grow. He went to Africa. He came back, and then he became my boss. So, you know, what goes around comes around. And uh, so, you know, always be sure you, you treat the people good that you're helping to grow because they may be over you in the, down the road. Um, let, me, let me close with this verse. First uh, Thessalonians 2.8. To me, this really sums up what making disciples is all about. Being a multiplier, as, as people say. Uh, go therefore and make disciples as Jesus commanded us. Paul said, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because you had become so dear to us. Do you see the, the dual uh, components here? The gospel being poured out to people, opening the word, helping, helping them to love God through his word, but also sharing your life. Just hanging out together, having a Coke together, a coffee, going to a game together, playing soccer together. Just in, you know, shooting BBs off of tin cans. You know, whatever you do. Um, doing life together. And, and God, I believe that God will use you to help make followers of Jesus that in time will make other followers of Jesus. And you may very well have a ministry all over the world. And you may never live, leave the United States. And it won't take that long. Uh, just pour yourself out to others. And that is a part of walking with God. Uh, you know, we've talked about a number of things uh, these days. Uh, part of it, my journey in, in college, but, but knowing God, having a relationship with Him, growing uh, friendships. And, and then this last thing of, of God using you to pour out the gospel, sharing the gospel, helping others to know Him and grow. The problem is that back behind the screen, there's those two little words, if only. And don't be an if only person. Uh, scratch that, if only this was okay, then I could make disciples. If only I can get through these crazy courses, then I can love people and help people to grow. Because there's always going to be an if only. Always, always. And uh, fight through that. You know... God said, Abraham, I'm giving you a son. His name is going to be Isaac. And 
don't use this if only excuse. You keep walking with me and I'll bless the nations. And God did it. And God will bless you to touch the world. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for this time together. And again, thank you so much for these days we've had. Lord, I pray that you would take what's been shared in workshops and the songs that we've sung that have focused so on you and on praise to you. Lord, the time we've had with friends, uh, the time these messages have been shared. Lord, would you bring to mind that which you want uh, to stand the test of time. And thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.